0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. Our senior pastor, Dean Hunter, shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come. Let's listen in. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, Paul is writing to a church In a town called Thessalonica, he's writing to believers and he's teaching them about a significant moment in time to come. The moment in time to come is the day of the Lord. Now, we're going to read this text and hear what Paul has to say through the inspiration of God, but I think it's worth acknowledging before I even read this, and I don't say this to get an amen or a a pat on the back. I'm all right if you pat or if you amen, but church, in the year 2023, this word has not changed. From when it was written. And it's either the word of God. Or it's not the word of God. And we either by faith believe it. And act on it. Or we throw it away. It is not a spare tire. To be used when we need it. It is not. Sorry for those. 35 and under it is not an atlas or map to get out when you're lost it is our instruction manual our instruction in righteousness it is a lamp before my feet and a light unto my path continuously it is not to be holstered Some of you, that's something else. It's to be out front and center and leading us. Now, with that said, there's a a lot of events, a lot of things on the calendar of God that we need to be aware of. But there's an event that's coming. Just as Jesus came... When no one believed it, seemingly, no one expected it in a place no one expected and took the world by surprise and changed the world forever. With that said, there's another event that's coming that will take the world by surprise. No one will see it coming. And it'll change the world forever. And it's the day of the Lord. Now, before I dig any deeper, there's some eschatology here. And there's some misinterpretations amongst us, I'm sure. My goal is not to set your theology proper but if it's incorrect, maybe you make adjustments based on the word of God. But my goal is for us to be aware that that day's coming. All right. Let's stand and read and honor God's word. I'm just going to read verses one through six, although we'll probably touch at the conclusion on the following through 11. He's writing to believers and he says, but of the times and of the seasons, brethren and sistren, Christians, I have, you have no need that I write you. Now, if I got that letter, I'd say, well, why'd you write? But that, that was... The reason why is because you know yourselves perfectly. Now, you know good and well, Grandma would say, that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say... Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail or labor pains upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, believers, you're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Therefore, since we're not of the night, Or of darkness. I think that's where my mom got that saying that nothing good happens after 12 (laughs) o'clock. Therefore, let us, since we're not of the darkness, we're of the light, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, we believe it's true. I believe it's true. I believe it's instruction for righteousness, it's good for our doctrine, it's good for reproof and correction, and God, I pray that we wouldn't hear it as my word or as just someone's word, but hear it today as your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. My title, because God changed it, is Expectant Living. For the last couple months, it seems like some of my sermons have ended up being helpful in the Christian walk as far as living by faith, walking by faith, trials of our faith. And not because I planned it that way or any sermon series, but it feels like this kind of fits that narrative of how we're to be living as believers. I've said it many times since I've been in the church world. We, are, we should be excited about heaven. We should be excited that this world is not our home and that there's a better day coming. That's worth saying yippee about. But until that day comes, we're stuck here, right? We're here. Now, I like to still consider myself young, but reality has overtaken. But I am still young compared to some of you old people. <laughs> I used to hear old people say, Boy, I can't wait to get to heaven. Oh, oh uh. and, and partly it was driven by their physical abilities or inabilities. Like stuff starts hurting you didn't know had the potential of hurting. And they, they get diagnosis and, you know, and they're like, Oh. Can't wait to get to heaven, get rid of all this mess. And I would say that's unfair because some of us are young and still have life to live. I would still like to say some of us are still young and have life to live. And and quite honestly, I do feel that way still. I do have things hurting that I wish didn't hurt or didn't know could hurt. I think that's just part of, the, part of the deal. But when I look around this church and I look around places I go, I see a lot of young families with young children. People still have babies. People are still raising families. I'm still young enough maybe to have babies. I, I have anticipated what I will look like the day they graduate or what I'll be riding, (laughs) or using. It's not a pretty sight. But we're still here, and we still have a life to live. And we can't just coast through life after becoming a Christian as if, well, it's smooth sailing from here. Now, I've got a quote at the end of my sermon that I want to say right now, and it's not my quote, but there's a song that we sing entitled Standing on the Promises, but there's a difference in standing on the promises and sitting on the premises, and a lot of people believe once I got saved, I'm just here to hang out until Jesus takes me on home. Some of you can name them, but that's not God's plan. If you're still here and you've got breath in your lungs and you've got an ability to do something, which we all do because God gave us spiritual gifts and he gave us talents and abilities to work for him to be a part of the body of Christ. There's still work to be done. There's still lost people. There's still Christians that need to be discipled. There's still a great commission that needs to be completed. And part of that thought is this idea of expectant living, living this Christian life expectantly. In chapter 5, Paul teaches this specific day of the Lord. He teaches that this day, you got you to catch this or you'll miss the rest. It does affect both the lost and the saved, but it certainly affects the lost and the saved differently. The day's coming, and it affects us. This passage makes it clear, something I have said and preachers have said for years, And you need to hear this. This is a biblical reality. There are only two types of people in this world lost and saved, unbelievers and believers. There might be some closer to believing than they used to unbelieve, but they're unbelievers and believers. Nobody's getting to heaven because they were thinking about getting saved. Two, two people, two paths, two ways, two paths, two entrances. Broad or narrow. He says here, in this chapter, in chapter five, and we're just kind of introducing right now. Relax. There's those who are in the light, and those who are not in the light are in the darkness. He says in verses four and five that, brethren, you're not in darkness. Oh, and there's so much I want to go off a little rocky dirt road here. You're not in darkness, believer. You have light that has been given to us that will lighten a dark path. That will give answers. That will help you not trip over something you didn't see. It will help you um, mentally. We live in a day where we need, I know y'all, y'all got it worked out. I need some mental help. I need some emotional help. Because I see some of the nonsense going on, not just in our country, but in our world. And I think, who in their right mind would believe such garbage? I messed up this morning and I hit the news. I don't usually do that on Sunday mornings, but I hit the news for just a millisecond, and I was like, oh, ugh, ESPN. I needed something to get my mind off of 1 Thessalonians 5, it's a weird thing that I have. Because if I don't, I'll start talking in First Thessalonians 5. How you doing? But God said, no, no. And this is just for fun, just relax for a second. America's backyard is on fire. That's called Canada. We, it's America's backyard. I know some of you are Canadian, no offense. But, I, anyway, I can't tell you that part. That'd take a second. Um, and because we're inhaling smoke from a fire in our backyard, we need to shut down things, right? I mean, two weeks, it was smokier this week, than it was two weeks ago, at least in my house. But yet they were shutting down indoor sports games in New York. <laughs> Furthermore, it was a good reminder to all of you um, yeah, be careful I'm thinking. <laughs> It was a good reminder for many people that we need to be thinking about this global warming stuff. Forgot. They found out it wasn't warming as much as they wanted, so now it's climate change. That's how it works. So it's climate change. That's exactly what happened, by the way. Oh, it's only 0.326 billionths of a degree. We probably thought that. That doesn't sound right. So let's call it climate change. Well, nobody in their right mind disagrees that the climate has changed. I mean, it's 950 degrees from April to October, and it didn't used to be that way. Something's happening. So the Canada's on fire, and 21 million acres are on fire. So it reminds us, and that's the most in forever, and it reminds us that global warming. If y'all would quit throwing bottles in the ocean, not only will turtles live, it will keep fires from happening in Canada. I'm just having fun with it for a second. Just follow me. So you look at the scale, and it popped up this morning. And last year, they had the least amount of fires in the history of Canada. For you, it was going, and then what? Now it went. What does that have to do with this? I'm not sure anything other than we're not in the dark. You say, is there a Bible verse that says people are crazy? Yeah, th- there are. Somewhere I just hadn't found it exactly there. No, what it does say, and this is where we're headed with the spiritual application, is there are people that bury their heads in the sand. There are people that they, they want to believe something. And I and honestly, I recycle once or twice a year. I mean, I'm somewhere I throw a bottle in the recycle, so I'm doing my part. That's a joke, I do probably five bottles a year, just in case anybody's worried. (laughs) I live in Landis, it was costing too much, they did away with recycle. Is that not true? Yeah, we had two cans, now we have one. It's their fault, it's not mine. (laughs) But we have people in a practical, even in a political and in a societal way who will bury their heads in the sand and say, I don't know anything, so what they say must be true. But more, unfortunately, there are people spiritually and biblically who have been given truth, have been taught truth for years from preachers and pastors and moms and dads and grandparents that choose to bury their heads in the sand and say, I'm not in the light. I'm not aware of that. I don't want to be made aware of that. Those people, those people, this sounds very baptist hellfire. Those people, even though they're willful in their ignorance, are still lost and have no excuse when the day of the Lord arrives. No one will be able to say, well, nobody told me. What's all this day of the Lord about? I probably ought to tell you what that is. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord It's important for us to understand because not only is it coming, it is a day of judgment and condemnation on the lost. Now, I said earlier, there are two types of people and the day of the Lord affects both but in different ways. And here's where everybody just relax. Some of us are going to disagree with what I'm about to say. It's all right. As long as you believe in the gospel, we're getting there together. Amen. Okay, now everybody's. Learning. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which is where we're at, Paul is talking to the church about a coming day of the Lord. I'm getting ahead of my notes. Y'all just relax up there. Which is a period of time, it's not one just specific day grammatically, it is a time frame where God's wrath and judgment will be poured out on unbelievers. Now, some of us theologians in here believe differently as to how and when and all that, but we're just... What I believe, based on the chapter before that, in chapter 4, Paul gives them a sermon outline for funerals. That's a joke. It's not just for funerals. But in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells the church about another event to take place. Some of you need to see it. You don't believe me already, I can see. And he says, I would not want you to be ignorant or uninformed, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, the dead, that you saw not as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be, and here's the word, called up together. I believe the Bible teaches and Paul teaches that there is an event before the day of the Lord where believers will be caught up, therefore not in the same way affected by the day of the Lord as the lost world. We can all get to heaven if you don't agree with that. Okay? This change from chapter four to chapter five, I believe basically is a change from the encouragement of The rapture to believers, oh, he said it, to the warning of judgment for the unbelievers. Now, I went to Bible college, so I got all this figured out. If you don't agree with me, tough, you're wrong. That's a joke. I'm all right to be wrong once in a while, just not at the house. (laughs) But you must make Jesus Lord of your life to go to heaven. You got to go the narrow way to go to heaven. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No man, not pre, mid, a post, in the middle, somewhere, none of them come to the Father except through him. Is that clear? Is that good? Everybody all right with that? There will be some messed up theology in heaven, but it'll get straightened up real quick or you'll forget that you were wrong. We'll have perfect knowledge. Right? I just, I'm telling you, what I just said in the last three minutes would go a long way in a lot of churches today if we just would agree on that. And I hope we understand how good of a job I just did expressing that. Know how powerful that is and how truthful that is. Churches don't need to be divided on some of these issues that they're dividing themselves on Um, i'm not speaking of women pastors we should be divided on that and we should kick saddleback out for doing that there we go next what he said that i don't even know what he's talking about so this passage teaches us three things about the day of the lord y'all ready here we go first first one the reality of the day of the lord now this is pretty obvious that's why i called it the reality Verse 1 and 2 says that believers know that the day of the Lord will come. How do we know? Jesus told us. Jesus told them. Jesus told his disciples. He's telling us, we know the day of the Lord will come. He says, for you know perfectly well that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. He talks about these times and seasons as periods of time. And he also really teaches, once again, that the effects are different. As a believer, we know the day of the Lord will come. This, what the Old Testament referred to uh, in the day of the Lord 19 times, by the way, When judgment occurred, it was known as the day of the Lord or the day of doom or the day of vengeance. There's no question as to what happens when the day takes place. In the New Testament, it's called the day of wrath, the day of visitation, the great day of God Almighty. Jesus just referred to it often as the day. So it's obvious to a believer this day is going to happen. Why is it going to happen? This is just a real quick note. God's holiness demands judgment. God cannot allow the wickedness that's happening in this country and in this world to be undealt with. Now, theologically, Jesus dealt with the condemnation of the world when he took on the judgment So how am I saved from the judgment to come when I put my faith and trust in the one who took on God's judgment on my behalf, in my place? That's how I'm saved. But those who don't are not saved from the judgment of God. He says, you know perfectly well because he knew Jesus had taught it in Matthew 24, very famous, popular passage if you want to go there, not right now, in Mark and Luke. He said, the day of the Lord is a reality to believers because Jesus told you, you know it will come, but we also know it because of prophecy. In the word of God, Peter even refers to this in 2 Peter 3, 3 through 7, it should be on the screens. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day scoffers, walking after their own lust. Now, there's some people, quite honestly, that want, I don't know that they want to deny the day of the Lord coming, but they really don't want to think about it much. Because I believe there are Christians who believe it's going to happen, but don't want it to happen now. I don't want it to happen now. I did a lot of yard work yesterday. <laughs> I, I don't mean this to be the way it, I did a lot of work yesterday. And um, too much for this old body. But anyway, I was doing yard work. And I knew what I was preaching because I didn't just start studying last night. But I knew what I was preaching. So I was doing this work. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what I was doing. But it, I didn't want to do it. And when I woke up that yesterday morning, I didn't think this is what I'd be doing at six o'clock. And the thought occurred to me, man, I hope Jesus doesn't come back tomorrow after I did all this work. <laughs> that would stink. Now, in case anybody doesn't know me, I don't care if he comes back right now or he came back as soon as I finished doing the work. I'm ready. Okay, somebody's He's. I can't believe he said that. It's a terrible thing for a preacher to say. It was a joke. Get over it. And the reason I say this is because people use this passage and say, oh, it's been happening for years. There's been scoffers for years. Have you heard this? You start reading a passage of Scripture like this, knowing first that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Yeah, there's always been, there have always been scoffers. There's always been people making fun of Christians. But I don't, unless you're in the darkness, unless your head's buried in the sand, I don't think you can say with a straight face, it's not happening more and more and more and more today than it's ever happened. If you're a Christian, you just got to swallow the reality that you're just going to look like an idiot to a lot of people. They're going to have opinions, and they're not always going to be positive. We know, Paul says you know because Jesus told you, because there's prophecy that it's going to happen. So we know the day of the Lord will come, and Christians, believers even know how it will come. How do we know that? He says, "For you know that it's coming as a thief in the night." You know very well, how do they know? Because when Jesus told them, not only in Matthew 26, but or 24, but in other passages, he told them how it would happen. And in Matthew 24, I don't need to read this whole passage, but I want to make sure you know it's there. Jesus himself said, "But of the day and the hour knoweth no man." Not the angels, but my Father in heaven. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also coming coming be coming the Son of Man. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until that day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two shall be in the field, one taken, one left. I was going to skip this part, but I think it's necessary. Two women grinding at the meal, one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch, the thief would come. How's he coming? Like a thief. He would have watched, would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. This is not the rapture of the church. This is the day of the Lord, the second coming. Now, some of you can't get over that, and I know that, so let me, let me, figure, let me help you out. I'm okay with us looking forward or looking at the soon coming return of Christ and the rapture of the church quickly approaching. If you haven't paid attention so far, I believe the rapture of the church will happen before the day of the Lord. I'm all right with us highly anticipating the rapture based on information given about the day of the Lord and its imminency. Because if the day of the Lord is quickly approaching, y'all following me? Then what happens before that is even quickerly approaching Now, for anybody who still doesn't believe the way I believe, or God, but if anybody doesn't believe that way, it's all right, we're fine. Both are going to happen, and they're quickly approaching. So you better get your house in order. It's coming as a thief in the night. Or as we like to say in Landis, moxie pest control. Like eight of us got that. They come when you least expect it. Just have a gun close. That's all I say. And I've read some comments. If you go to the door with a gun, they leave quicker. Some, something about that. I'm not sure what it is. If you need pest control, call Todd Overcash. He'll help you, and you, then you can just say, I use Todd. That's what I did, and that didn't, didn't work. They said, Todd's not good. We can do better. And then I showed him a 38 and told them the dog was on the way, and they said, all right, have a good evening. (laughs) It's kind of how it happened, but not exactly. The day of the Lord is coming, and it's coming unexpected. The day will happen, and it will happen suddenly, and it will happen surprisingly. Which is kind of hard to understand and navigate when you've got so much passage of scripture telling you it's coming. I used to, I used to think as a child. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought of a child. Then I put away childish things, and I remember, maybe even in college, trying to wrap my mind around all this and how, how could you know? How could nobody know? Right. Because Jesus said, I don't know, only my Father in heaven knows, right? Pretty powerful when Jesus says it. But there was a, there was a day, in some of you are prime, when there were a lot of books and a lot of messages preached on when Jesus was coming back. One of the most infamous was 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. Now, the joke part of that is, not joke, it's a real book, but the joke is, now you can find it at bookstores for 88 cents, right? <laughs> that was a real book written. And many others wrote books, you know, trying to, and I used to think in my little pea-brained, childish mind, what if somebody guessed it? Like, what if somebody just like, October 10th, 1994, ah. And in my mind, I thought, God had to go to his whiteboard and say, nope. They guessed it. Let me go to another one. <laughs> now, what a terrible picture of God that was. But I used to, I was like, how? Like, God's nope, not, not doing that one. Then I started thinking, you know, there's 24 hours in a the day, there's 60 minutes in like, they can't know that, which is a better probability that God would outguess man. That was supposed to be a little bit spiritually comical. But then the reality hits that scripture teaches, it's more of the, the mindset, it's more of the activity, it's people just aren't going to be expecting it. We know it's going to happen, but it's just not going to be expected when it does happen. And then he gives the example of a, a, it's crazy we have to say it this way, a lady who is pregnant. I'm going to make sure I clarify that every time from now till Jesus comes that <laughs> ladies get pregnant. He gives the example of a lady, a female, who is pregnant. And he talks about the birth pains. Never experienced it, don't want to. Thank God I don't. But I've heard and seen they're not pleasant. And think about it, and, and this really puts it in perspective and changes the childlike understanding. And I, I, y'all have to understand, it's tough in 2023 to do this, but when a lady is great with child, she knows it. <laughs> now, I have heard stories. We don't want to talk about that. They got to lay down the Cheetos. But anyway, so <laughs> a woman usually knows she's got a baby living inside her body. And because of modern technology and medicine, we have a roundabout figure as to when the baby should hatch, right? So no one's surprised that she had the baby, but no one's really ever expecting it when it happens. Now, I know somebody... Well, I had mine scheduled. We we're, we're talking about before those days. <laughs> I'm celebrating my birthday. My wife sitting beside me 13 years ago. The doctors have said June. Something. We're eating, having a steak. It's my birthday. Everybody celebrate me. My wife goes to the restroom, comes back, and says, first baby, first everything, I think my water broke. (laughs) Now, I'm not a doctor, but I'm thinking, from what I understand, there shouldn't be confusion, but I don't know. (laughs) A month, five weeks early, here it comes. We knew she was pregnant. Nobody was surprised. She didn't come back from the table and say, Guess what? I'm eight months pregnant. (laughs) None of that happened. But we were surprised that it came when it came. So will the coming of the day of the Lord. We're not surprised that it's going to come, church. We know it's coming. Jesus told us it's coming. Prophecy teaches us that it's coming and that it's closer. As Paul said, the day of the Lord or salvation, we're closer today than we were yesterday. But it's going to come. And this day will bring wrath and judgment on every unbeliever. We know the day of the Lord is going to happen. We know how it's going to happen. And for those who know it. We've got some decisions to make. And in our text, we see those who reject this reality. There's an important, I know some of you looking at your watch, I know where we're at. But it's gonna, it's gonna, it'll go fast from here. There's a transition in verse three that's important for us to see. In verse one and two, he's saying, you and ye, you believers, you, ye, But now in verse three, he says, for when they shall say, see, there's two groups of people. There's you and there's they. There's us and there's them. Now, that doesn't sound politically correct today. And it sounds mean and divisive. Now, we can make it sound a little less mean and a little less divisive, but there's us and them. There's believers and unbelievers. And we don't think the same. We don't act the same. We don't vote the same. We don't talk the same. He says, they will say, y'all ready? There's nothing to worry about. Anybody heard that? I've heard it in a lot of different ways. Our president has said it in English and in whatever other language he speaks. (laughs) In so many words. I mean, there's some brilliant geniuses behind the scene to get that man to come out and talk about Bidenomics. (laughs) They think we're going to believe the twist on Bidenomics. Bidenomics means we're broke. (laughs) That's what Bidenomics is. But they've convinced this shell of a man to come out and say, I like Bidenomics. Here's what Bidenomics are. And somehow, I, I can't say that in church, somehow Shiny this thing up. And we're supposed to believe it. Now, I know he's not talking about politics in Scripture here. Just for the record, I'm not one of them that believes these lies that they're spewing. And furthermore, more importantly, what's happening is spiritually speaking, we look around and see this thing as being flushed down the toilet morally. And we know that a holy God will not allow for it. Not just in America, but worldwide. But there are some people that are going to come out on the stage and say, don't worry about it. Everything's all right. Peace and safety. We probably, and I don't want to scare anybody, we probably live in the most volatile worldwide situation in any person's lifetime. The Middle East is a powder keg. The strongest, most comparable enemy countries in the world are basically being emboldened unfortunately, by some of our politicians or lack thereof. You say, well, I ain't got nothing to do with Scripture. I just got everything to do with Scripture and the end of the world and the day of the Lord. Now, Any believer that knows the Word of God and wants to reject that, then you keep buying peace and safety. You keep buying the world's The lost idea that hey, there's nothing there's nothing to worry about. Now I know some I know I know my audience. They're like, I wish you wouldn't talk about that stuff. It has nothing to do with. Well, it does have everything to do with prophecy. But it also has everything to do with what the enemy wants us to believe. And see, there's no greater peace and safety message than that day of the Lord mess is just a fairy tale. So if, you, if, if you really believe in that, you're living in fear. You're, no. No, but the Bible teaches the day of the Lord is coming. Right. The Bible teaches that every unbeliever will be judged and condemned, and the wrath of God will fall on the unbelieving world. But if you don't believe that, live how you want to live. Do what you want to do. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. Jesus said, hey, the world's condemned already. So we see people who reject it by saying, hey, I believe this message. I believe whatever. But no, those who reject will suffer suddenly and certainly. For when they shall say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them. At the same time people are preaching, it's all right, the day of the Lord will happen. There'll be people that are buying it. They'll be buying the enemy's message. They'll be buying the world's message. And it'll happen suddenly. And it'll happen certainly. Not just certain in its timing, but certain in the condemnation of every unbeliever. In verse 3, he says, it will happen sudden, as a travail upon a woman, and they shall not escape. It's not a picture of something joyous. It's not a picture of something we ought to be, amen, brother, preach it, other than preach the truth. It's a sad, pitiful And quite honestly, scary event for the lost person who has never been saved. To this day, after doing what I do for 100 years now, I find people ask, they don't say it this way, but here's the question. Why do I have to be saved? Why do I need to be saved? And every believer ought to be able to answer, you need to be saved from something or you are saved from something. And there's a lot of somethings you can say, but there's one something for certain in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, that those of us who are saved, those of us who are born again, are saved from the day of God's wrath. From the day of the Lord. There's a response. Every time... I believe this. Every time you personally open up the word of God, you respond. Every time I preach, Pastor Barry preaches, Pastor Justin preaches, or anybody else, somebody told me Joe Rivenbark's preaching next Sunday. Show up for that. He is preaching. They didn't tell me I said. Okay. Every time the word of God is preached, there's a response. When we hear that the day of the Lord is coming, there's a response that has to take place. The believer has a response to this day coming. The unbeliever has a response to this day coming. There's a decision to be made by the unbeliever. Do we believe this is true? Do we believe the day of the Lord is coming? Does the lost person sitting in this room today really believe this? That God's holiness demands judgment? And that if you're here and you're not born again, you're not saved, that this affects you? Every person in this room, I believe, and I think this every time I preach, has already made some decision. When you walk in, you've already made a decision. You're you're for him or you're against him. And every time you walk out, you've made a decision. You're for him or you're against him. You've made him Lord or you've denied him as Lord. Every time. The reality is you can respond. here's, Here's the greatest news ever. The day of the Lord's not here yet. Now it can happen Suddenly. I know, I know, I know. I hear, I feel the thoughts back. Yeah, but the rapture hadn't happened yet. What if it has? That was a joke. That was a joke. Don't say, no, no. But it's happening. It's going to happen quick. And you're not expecting it. And then we get into, oh, I love the Left Behind series. What a great wealth of information. Burn them as far as I'm concerned. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The Left Behind, oh, don't call that out. It's old. Some of you don't know it. I believe the Left Behind series has fooled a lot of people. That's my opinion. If you like it, great. I, don't, I didn't read it. I appreciate Tim LaHaye giving a lot of money to Liberty University. Off the books. But other than that, I stayed away from them. I heard too many people say too much that I didn't think was healthy. I, I hurt some feelings, so I'm not going to say Left Behind anymore. Forget that. Strike that, please. Recorder. All right. Too many people betting that they're going to get saved after the rapture. And I just opened up a big can of worms, and I'm going to close it real quick. I think there's a whole lot less getting saved than people think when it's too late. Today is the day of salvation, Paul said. you got a decision to make, and then the believer there's a duty for us. It's because our we're Savior we're not hanging out, waiting on him to come. Oh, it's good down here. I love church. Let's just go to church all the time. As great as that sounds, and phony to some, it's also not practical, and it's not biblical. Peter, James, and John had the most spiritual um, event ever happened in their life. They go with Jesus on the top of the Mount, mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is transfigured, and they're all gasping and they say together hey we've developed a little committee here and we believe we should build a church and hang out right this was so good let's just hang out here and Jesus like no that's not how it works and that's not how it works in the Christian life either it's not how it works in the church life either we're not to be holed up in some Christian bubble we're to be in the world but not of the world We still have jobs to do. We still have roles to play in light of the day of the Lord. Moms and dads, you got a job to do in light of the day of the Lord. It's winding down. I need somebody to say you're still awake. Moms and dads, we've got jobs to do knowing that the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord will affect your children if they're lost. The day of the Lord will affect your grandchildren if they're lost. We gotta be Noah's and get our house in order and get them ready. Church, there's still a job to do in light of the day of the Lord. We still gotta be preaching the truth, the gospel message to a lost and dying world that will be affected by the day of the Lord. The Great Commission is still our mission because the day of the Lord. If there was no day of the Lord, Let's just hang out. That's not what we're here to do. There's a duty. Jesus said to, in light of the day of the Lord, here was the the phrase, watch and pray. Remember Jesus said, watch and pray? I'm almost done. Everybody relax. Watch and pray. Back in the day when I used to sing in a star-studded quartet traveling the country, we were at an old church, still there to this day, Friendship Baptist Church. We were the music program for the church, and um, it's not saying a lot about the church, but anyway, and um, we were putting on this concert, singing, singing. And church opened up in prayer. Now, this is a small church. Ran by a small family. They were good people. But anyway, so everybody knew everybody. And it was one of those real awkward, like, just you didn't know what was going to happen. Some grandma stand up and say, preacher, I think we ought to sing just as I am. Well, good, let's sing it. She said it. Let's do it. Or... Shall we gather at the river? Doesn't matter. That's how it works. So we're praying. Somebody's praying before, and, and we're about to sing. And I notice I got a big, like, clump of mud on my shoe. I'm like, that's not good. I'll probably hinder someone's decision to follow Christ today. <laughs> so I could balance better then. I reach down. I'm like, ah, oh, like do my whole thing. <laughs> After it's over, we're about to start singing. And Miss Etta, her name was Etta. Etta Coffee stood up and said, preacher, I got something to say. The Bible says to watch and pray. And while y'all were praying, I was watching. And Dean was up there wiping mud off his shoe. <laughs> Anybody else want to testify? What in the world? That happened as much as I'm standing here. And that woman probably, I don't know. No, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. There's still a duty for believers to be prepared. If I had 20 more minutes, I'd go on, but verses 8 through 11 tells us to prepare ourselves. We're in a war. He talks about protecting our heart and protecting our mind. Here's the deal we got a job to do, Christians. But what he also throws in, I believe, is are you ready? Are you prepared? I think Warren Wiersbe said we're to um, something, clean up and dress up and show up or something like that. Now we're to put on a different type of armor than what he says in Ephesians 6, but he talks about the, the helmet uh, covering the mind, the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of faith and love, which I believe means this, believer, professing believer, in light of the day of the Lord, do you know, do you know, that you're ready? Do you have the faith that protects your heart, yourself, your being, knowing I'm ready? Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we don't receive it just as a sermon, but we receive it as your word. God, we know your holiness demands judgment. Your holiness demands that the unbelieving world suffers the punishment of ultimate, final judgment and condemnation. And I pray right now if there's a person in this room who's lost. They've never made you Lord of their life. your Holy Spirit would convict them and they would see themselves that way see themselves in need of salvation I pray for every believer at every professing believer that they are certain they know their faith is certain Their salvation is certain and they're confident knowing that we can stand in these last days. Knowing as your word teaches that the intensity will increase and increase and make it more and more difficult to to be who we are. I pray as a church, as a church family, as individual families that we'd be about your business You would take it on as a personal duty of every parent to make sure their children know the truth. God help us as a church to double down on the Great Commission in light of the reality that the world needs the answer to this day that's to come. As we sing, maybe you'll be praying in your seats. If you want to come to an altar, you can. Are you sure? Are you positive? Do you know? Do you have confidence? God wants you to know and be certain. And maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe in the quietness and humility of your heart, you would acknowledge his word, as truth, that you're a sinner. And because of that, you're born condemned. Not because I said it, but because Jesus said, the world is condemned already. But you would believe by faith that Jesus took on the wrath and the condemnation of God by paying the price for our sins on the cross. And maybe today would be the day you make him Lord of your life. And be what the Bible calls saved. Saved from the wrath to come. Saved from the day of the Lord. And maybe today would be the day you make him Lord and confess him as your Savior. You can do that in prayer. If you do that, certainly myself or one of our pastors would love to know it. Come see us after the service. Can pray with you and help you as we sing together. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church events and ministries, please visit our webpage at com.